0: For God so loved the world, that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God sent his Son into the world, not to condemn the world, but that through him the world might be saved. Let us confess our need for God's saving love. Eternal God in whom we live and move and have our being, whose face is hidden from us by our sins, and whose mercy we forget in the blindness of our hearts, cleanse us from all our offenses, and deliver us from proud thoughts and vain desires, that with reverent and humble hearts, we may draw near to you, confessing our faults confiding in your grace and finding in you our refuge and strength through Jesus Christ, your Son. The mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting. May the God of mercy who forgives us all our sins strengthen us in all goodness and by the power of the Holy Spirit keep us in eternal life. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. with believers down through the ages, let us state what we believe using the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. And now we invite you in the love of Christ to turn and greet your neighbors.
1: Good morning! morning. We'd like to welcome you here to Church of the Palms on this beautiful Sunday morning. You know the only thing worse than being a Michigan fan this year (laughs) is being a Florida fan. (laughs) So on our way, we are so grateful that you can be in worship with us this morning. We have wonderful opportunities for you, not only within the context of our worship experience, but as we are sent into the world, we have all sorts of opportunities for you to participate with us. We invite you to fill out the friendship pads to begin with. That way you can note those folks who are sitting near you and hopefully continue the conversations that you just began, maybe underneath the tree where there will be lots of opportunities for you to participate in our seeking to reach out to the world. This is the day before Veterans Day, and it's our tradition to give you the opportunity to support those who are uh, serving in our armed forces we have our support our troops boxes available for you after the service if you go out there you'll be given a little mailbox that a list of all the things you can put into that box and send off to a a soldier that is somewhere in the world that would need your encouragement this would be a great way for you to honor uh, them on this very special weekend so we invite you to do that this coming friday night we have our Minds and Barns Comedy Night. Uh, this is a chance for you to come and support our family ministry. Tickets are for free. Uh, you'll have a chance to enjoy uh, a time of great hilarity and a chance for you to rejoice with our family ministry as it continues to grow. So you're welcome to come. It's free. If you'd like to get a ticket that gives you more details, you can pick one up uh, out, outside after our service today. Our Life Tree Cafe, uh, which we've been experiencing here in, on our campus over the last several months is now going public into the community. And we will be at the Nightlife Center a week from this Tuesday. Information about that is in your bulletin, but we'd love to have you come out and support that effort of being in conversation with those about uh, things that matter. This Saturday, our Early Childhood Center is having a book fair at Barnes and Noble. And if you are a Barnes and Noble shopper, or even if you're not, We invite you to go over there on Saturday. All the purchases that you make, given that you uh, offer them that little uh, leaflet that's in your bulletin will be a part of those proceeds will go to the support of the Early Childhood Center. So we want you to focus on that and perhaps join us at Barnes and Noble this coming Saturday and over the weekend. And uh, there also will be a noted author there signing books, so you can do with that as you may, and those books are also available underneath the tree. Anyway, we have an advent planner for you uh, to uh, use as you prepare your, uh, pr- uh, your plans for this coming advent season. They are throughout the campus. They are on shelves and book racks also in the Welcome Center will have these. We invite you to pick one up as we uh, continue to prepare for the advent season on its way. And we want to bring to your attention uh, the passing of two women in our congregation. Faye Pierce passed away very suddenly this past week, and her service was this past Friday. And Deborah Burgundine uh, passed away about a, 10 days or so ago, and her services will be in early December. Let's continue our worship.
2: Thank <laughs> you.
3: Our most gracious and loving God, on this day, we give you thanks for this community of faith that we call home at Church of the Palms, and we thank you for the privilege to worship you and give you praise and hear your words. On this Veterans Day's weekend, we also give you thanks for those who have served in the defense of freedom and for our protection. We honor that service, the sacrifices made, and the risk undertaken. We lift up those now in active service and pray for their safety, especially if the duty takes them into harm's way. We are reminded of our mortality, frailty, and need for one another by the power of Typhoon Haiyan. We pray for the people of Philippines, O God, who have been so battered by the storm. We pray that you will send them aids and all that they need to recover from it. In your mercy, grant safety to those who are endangered, aid to those recovering, and give comfort of yours to those who need them, we pray. We also pray for this congregation and for our service to this community and beyond. We ask that you will continue to bless us to do your will. We pray for mission efforts near and far. We lift up those who are facing illness, loneliness and stress and confusion. We also remember the families of Debbie, Carol, Fay and David, as you have called each of them home to you. We pray that you'll give their families your peace and comfort in the days ahead. We bring our prayers to you in the name of our Lord Jesus, Amen. Now we continue to worship God in the giving of our tithings and offerings. Let us pray our loving and generous god as an active of our love and gratitude we bring to you all these offerings and tithings we pray that you'll use them for the good of your people and the expansion of your kingdom we bring them in the name of our lord and savior jesus amen please be seated
1: This week uh, marks the anniversary of a very important part of our church's life. And that is the foundation of the Church of the Palms it was originated 30 years ago. And it is quite a story of all the many ways that we have been able to support uh, our ministry, as well as the ministries of many others throughout our world through the uh, proceeds that come from our endowment, the foundation the Church of the Palms. And I've asked Mark Hildreth to come forward to share with us a little bit about uh, that great story.
4: Was the day that the foundation for the Church of the Palms was established by some very forward- thinking members of our church. and the foundation was established to receive gifts and donations and to provide financial support for the missions of the church and along with capital improvements for Church of the Palms. So we've had thirty years pass by now, and the foundation has really grown over that time. God has really blessed the vision of those folks who put this foundation into place. It's a separate organization from the church and provides many different uh, outreaches to the church and to the community, all in support of the mission of the church. Don, could you please go ahead and begin the slide presentation? As you've noted up there, Proverbs 13.22 reads in part, the good leave an inheritance to their children's children. And consistent with our stewardship theme this season of passing the baton, Uh, I want to talk to you a little bit about what does the foundation do because we would like you to be thinking in terms, if your heart is called to it, to support the foundation as we go forward. On the screen behind me, you're going to see some of the things that the church has been doing in the last, or the foundation's been doing in the last two years, uh, several years. We funded the new library project at Princeton Theological Seminary and there's going to be, there is a room named for Church of the Palms actually for two of our early pastors Bill Grosvenor and Bruce Porter, who were trained at Princeton, as was Steve McConnell. We've supported the Day of Hope project that's been held on our campus the last two years in support of homeless elementary children and school children in our community. The foundation supported Hassat, which is a mission in Turkey, to help them acquire a uh, permanent facility in Istanbul, which as you know, Turkey is a largely Muslim country, so these folks are really on the front lines of evangelism and mission work there. We have supported the Jesus film project, which um, I think many of you heard about earlier this year, and we were pleased to be able to do that It helps to provide a Jesus film specific to a Nigerian community Running a bit ahead here. We're still showing pictures of the folks at the Hassat Ministry in Istanbul We've also supported the Honduras Eye Clinic that uh, some of you have heard about over the years and have provided some major funding to enable them to assist and provide a surgery there for folks to actually go in who do not have any access to that type of health care in that country, that part of that country. And it's been a very well-supported uh, mission from folks of our church who go down there every year. We've um, also, as you can see, we've provided grants to support the uh, lighting project in the campus center uh... additional things that um, we are working on is a recent grant to procure a digital sign for the B ridge roadside of the church It's going to look something like the church the sign that you see out in front of the new sarasota memorial hospital building we've granted money to purchase a new organ for the chapel we granted money to send some folks down to nicaragua on an exploratory mission trip which included young people of our church for the first time we've also supported some money uh... to do the redesign for the administration building which if you've not been over there uh, you'll see that the front looks drastically different than it did a few years ago and that was money that the foundation put forward and recently this past summer the uh, foundation made a grant to support elder leadership training Uh, we sent a group of elders to a to whitworth university a presbyterian university out in spokane washington and uh, for a weeks long intensive elder training program that uh, both commenced before that and is continuing on for a year after that with study back here in Sarasota with the, with the group that went out there. Um, these are some of the things that have, have uh, been supported by the foundation in the past few years. And so let me talk to you a little bit about how this happens and how this works. First, the foundation is an IRS-approved 501c3 organization, so donations and bequests can be tax-deductible depending on your tax situation, and that's not the, obviously not the only reason to do that, but there are folks who that may be a consideration. Second, the foundation is governed by a board of directors who are appointed jointly by the session of Church of the Palms and by the foundation board each year, and those people are members of Church of the Palms, but it is separate and independent from the church. The board has retained UBS as of the fall of 2011 to handle and manage the assets and finances uh, of the foundation, and the foundation's uh, performance is audited annually by an outside CPA firm. The foundation has an investment policy statement that mandates conservative investment guidelines which we then communicate to UBS, and they've done a really good job in following those guidelines. Grants are dispersed pursuant to grant requests that are brought through the session of Church of the Palms. So a process is put in place where things that may be worthy of consideration are reviewed by the session, approved, sent to the board. The board looks those over, and they also have an approval process there to consider how to fund those different projects. Now, as specified by the Articles of the Foundation, Grants and the monies used by the foundation are not used for operating expenses for the church. They are used for specific types of mission projects, capital improvements, and those sort of things. So we don't supplement the budget of the church. That's the stewardship part of the equation here. This is separate from that. Finally, and most importantly, the foundation is and has been funded by donations and bequests from friends and members of Church of the Palms for the last 30 years. At the beginning of 2009, the value of those assets was $1.8 million since that time through significant donations some smaller donations and donations of all size across the board plus some very good financial performance the asset value of the foundation now is four point eight million dollars some of those funds are in certain restricted types of accounts but the way we do our funding is every year we do an average based on a certain percentage of recovery and return and this year for 2013 we made grants totaling 120,647 dollars we expect that going forward because of the rolling nature of this and the increase that that's going to be a relatively higher number next year so in closing I'm hoping that this will give all of you some better idea of how Church of the Palms Foundation is working and what it is doing and what it might be that you can contribute to that if God puts that on your heart. There are several ways to accomplish this. You can include it in your estate plan. You can include it in life insurance. You can make outright donations and bequests right now while you're here. This is in addition to any stewardship giving, and we would hope that if God places this on your heart, that you will give it some prayerful consideration. If you have questions about this in any way, you can talk to Pastor Steve, you can talk to myself or any member of the board. Uh, John Mercier here is a member too. He is also chair of the planned giving committee, and we would commend to you that if, it, if it's something that you think you may want to look into, please do that. There's a lot of good things that we can do to support the church. Thanks very much.
1: Thank you, Mark, and thank you for the generosity of so many of you. And we uh, look forward to you also participating in our operating budget as well. And pledge cards are available in your pews to finish out our stewardship season. And I think there's another thing happening here down in the front. So <laughs> the children are invited to come forward for the children's moment.
5: Thanks, Karen. Um, The foundation also gave us this great sound system where we get to do our kids' worship um, at a grant that we requested. So every time we leave here and we go up and do our songs and our music, we have this really great sound system thanks to the foundation. I love Thanksgiving. Can you guess why? Any guesses at all? Yeah. Because
2: lots of people, they, they...
5: give and you share a a wonderful dinner oh my goodness she got it so right lots of people give and i do like the dinner and i like wearing feathers but thanksgiving seems to launch us into this season of great joyful giving that we just seem to like to do so I wanna give you an example of this. One time a year in this congregation, we have an opportunity to give money to our food pantry. So let me ask you a question. What do you do if you're hungry? What do you do? What do you do, Amy? Head to the pantry and grab a snack. Head to the pantry and grab a snack. What if there is no snack in the pantry? What do you do then? What do you do? What do you have to do if there's no snack in the pantry? Go buy some. You have to go buy some. What if you go to go buy some, but you don't have any money? Then what are you gonna do? Kristen, what are you gonna do? You forage for food. You forage for food. That Are you a boy scout? <laughs> no, you're not. Do <laughs> You forage for food? You know one place where you can forage for food? Our food pantry. People come and get a bag of groceries, if they don't have enough money to buy food for that week, we give them a bag of these groceries. Guess how many we give away every month? Any guess? Go ahead, just say it out. 99 bags, what else? 10, way more. Any ideas? Yeah? 100. 1,000 bags of groceries every single month feeds about 1600 people isn't that crazy so we have an opportunity the sunday before thanksgiving to give money for this food pantry so that we can feed hungry people let me give you another idea has anyone ever rung the salvation army bells anyone raise your hand if you've rung these bells do you know that today you can start to sign up to ring these bells. And when people come by to put money in the kettle, the Salvation Army then makes three, well, three meals a day, 365 days a year, they feed people. They clothe people. They give them a place to stay. They give them classes. All of that just for giving two hours. One last example. You know what you can give starting today? you can give a kind word, an encouraging note, an encouraging picture, a random act of kindness. Guess what? Our middle schoolers did a retreat this weekend. 30 of these kids came here on Saturday, gave some of their time, they threw 600 bags of mulch. You know why we give? Because we're Christians and because God loves us so much we have no response other than to love others and to keep that love going thanks giving we give with a thankful heart thanks giving thanks be to god will you pray with me gracious god you have given us so many blessings open our eyes to see so that we may share your love and to give just as you would have us give abundantly to everyone that we meet in jesus name we pray Amen.
1: be seated. We have uh, finished our Beatitudes of Jesus found in the beginning of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, but we continue in that fifth chapter looking at a couple of more images that Jesus presents to us as we wonder about how it is we are to live our lives so in chapter 5 verse 13 we read these words jesus speaks and says you are the salt of the earth but if salt has lost its taste how can its saltiness be restored it is no longer good for anything but is thrown out and trampled underfoot And later in that chapter, beginning at the 38th verse, Jesus continues and says, you've heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist an evildoer. If anyone strikes you on the right cheek, turn the the other also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your coat, we'll give your cloak as well. And if, if anyone forces you to go one mile, go also the second mile. Give to everyone who begs from you and do not refuse anyone who wants to borrow from you. You've heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be children of your Father in heaven. For he makes sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the righteous and on the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers and sisters, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. And then in Luke chapter three, these words from John the Baptist. And the crowds asked him, what then should we do? In reply, he said to them, Whoever has two coats must share with anyone who has none. And whoever has food must do likewise. Even tax collectors came to be baptized and they asked him, teacher, what should we do? And he said to them, we'll collect no more than the amount prescribed for you. Soldiers also asked him, and we, what, what should we do? And he said to them, do not extort money from anyone by threats or false accusations and be satisfied. With your wages. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. We wonder of that upward way, O God, and ask that we, through these words, may understand more the word just read and grow to love more the Word made flesh in Jesus the Christ. For we pray this in his name. Amen. Amen. It was last Christmas Eve during the day, a few hours before the Christmas Eve services, that I had a hospital call to make up in a neighboring town. And when I was through visiting and on my way home, I stopped by the local Starbucks drive-through, something I so seldom do, (laughs) to pick up a cup of coffee. And I waited in the car line, placed my order. But when I got to the window, the Starbucks lady told me that my drink was free. Free, I said, how does that work? Oh, she said, the guy ahead of you bought it for you and said to say, Merry Christmas. We were pretty far from home, so I was fairly certain that the guy ahead of me was a complete stranger, someone unbeknownst to me, a little treat that I could not pay back, clearly something that this stranger did not have to do. There would be no credit given, no note in the mail to him. So of course we kept the string going, paying it forward. And the lady behind me got herself a little Christmas gift too. Lord knows how long it continued, but it was a nice moment. A few minutes later, I had one more stop to make on my way home. And this was at the local drugstore. And when I made my purchases and was back in my car and exiting the parking lot, there were two lines of cars merging into one parking lot exit. It was a busy shopping day, of course, Christmas Eve. Nevertheless, each was taking their turn, merging into the line, with the exception of the woman in the other line commensurate with me. The car ahead of her took his turn, and so it was my turn to file in, but for whatever reason, she was not going to let that happen. Hugging the bumper of the guy before her, and without even giving me a glance, she jumped the line. Interesting, I thought. She must be in quite a hurry on this busy shopping day. And so imagine my surprise when I finally got behind her and saw the bumper sticker on the back of her car that said, Jesus is the reason for the season. (laughs) Now those juxtaposed experiences on Christmas Eve of all days gave me some pause and Obviously have stuck in my mind ever since and I guess it's this stuck in my mind part That has me wondering about the impression that you and I make when we choose to do the things we do and To not do the things we do There are lots of things that we have to do in this world, you know pay your taxes be good to your children cut your lawn change your oil Take more than, take no more than 10 things to the express checkout line in the supermarket. Lots of things we have to do. But what about the things we don't have to do? The things that nobody expects. The surprise gestures of grace. The unusual kindnesses that a calculated world has learned not to count on. The free coffee from the guy in front of you. If Jesus is the reason for the season, then what does that mean about the things we do that we have to do and the things we do that we don't have to do? Makes me wonder if that isn't a part of what Jesus was trying to say when he said in his Sermon on the Mount, you know, you are the salt of the earth. You are the salt of Of the earth. You are the ones who can bring flavor to this world. Whatever you do and however you do it, it really does matter. You are the salt of the earth, and when salt is in the mix, everybody notices it. Reminds me of the story when on a certain Thanksgiving when I was young, my mother had just returned home from having surgery and was recuperating. It was left to me and my father to cook the Thanksgiving dinner for our family and some invited friends. This of course was the first mistake. (laughs) My father doled out assignments and I was given the task of making the mashed potatoes, which translated for me was go out and buy a box of Hungry Jack instant mashed potatoes. So I did and I, I duly followed the instructions on the back, whipped up a batch of something that looked like mashed potatoes and placed it proudly on the table. Once grace was said, the first person that took a bite promptly spit them back onto their plate, as did the second person and the third person. This was not a good sign. I learned this on the Food Channel. When people spit what you've cooked back on their plate, it's not a good sign. Turns out that in my careful study of the directions, what I thought said tablespoon of salt said teaspoon of salt. (laughs) Boy, what a difference a little salt makes. Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. And when salt is in the mix, everybody notices. Whatever you do and however you do it, matters so it's not much further into the sermon on the mount when jesus gets more specific and says if anyone strikes you on the right cheek try turning to him the other also if anyone wants to sue you and take your coat give him your cloak as well and if anyone forces you to go one mile Try going the second one, too. Give to everyone who begs from you. And do not refuse anyone who wants to borrow from you. And while you're busy loving the people you know are going to love you back, try loving the ones you know that will hate you back. And now all of a sudden Jesus is speaking of the salty life of doing the things that nobody expects you to do. It's John the Baptist in Luke's gospel who speaks of the salty life when he says, if you've got two coats, make sure you share one with the one who has none. And if you've got food in your cupboard after dinner, give it to the one whose closet is empty. It's this salty life of doing the thing that nobody expects you to do. Reminds me of the story of the two farmers who were good friends and the one went off for the weekend to a Christian conference and came back and his friend asked him about the conference and the farmer said, well, I learned a lot about the Christian life. Oh, really, said his friend, what did you learn? Well, he said, I guess it kind of goes like this. Suppose you, suppose you had two tractors and you knew I had none. W- would you give me one of your tractors? Oh, of course, his friend said, if I had two tractors, I'd give you one. He said, well, then suppose you had two hay wagons and, and, and you knew I didn't have any. Would you give me one of your hay wagons? Oh, of course I would. If I had two hay wagons, I'd give you one. And, well, if you had two cows and you knew I had none, would you give me one of your cows? Doggone, Charlie said his friend, that's not fair. You know I have two cows. <laughs> Life gets salty when we do the things we don't do not have to do almost 60 years ago a little girl by the name of Joan Lancaster who lived here right here in Sarasota finished reading a children's story written by a quite famous English author named you guessed it CS Lewis it was 1954 By that time, Lewis had already been on the cover of Time magazine. His books made him an international phenomenon. So when this little girl finished reading one of these children's books from the Chronicles of Narnia, she decided that she was going to write the author a letter, wanting to learn more about his stories. So with all childlike innocence, she wrote her note, put it in an envelope, along with a drawing and a picture of herself. And off it went to this man far, far away. Imagine her surprise when a couple of weeks later in her mailbox, a letter arrived from Mr. Lewis, five paragraphs long, handwritten. In part, this is what Mr. Lewis wrote the young elementary school girl. Dear Joan, thank you very much for your kind letter with beautiful painting, and interesting photo which reached me today. I'm so glad you like the Narnian books. It was so nice of you to tell me. There are to be seven stories altogether. The seventh is already written, but still only in pen and ink. I've not quite decided yet what to call it. Sometimes I think of calling it the last king of Narnia. and Sometimes night falls on Narnia. Which do you think sounds best? I was at a zoo last week and saw real lions and some perfectly lovely bears nursing their cubs. How lucky you are to have a pool with love to your brother and yourself, yours ever, C.S. Lewis." Imagine the thrill of that little Sarasota girl opening that mailbox and that envelope and reading those words. Wow. And of course, no one would have faulted the famous author and speaker and lecturer for not taking the time out of his busy schedule to write a note to a young fan a couple thousand miles away. Clearly not something he had to do. Amazing though, what a little salt will do. Enough so, that little Joan wrote him another note with more pictures, asking more questions. And sure enough came another response. And then another letter to which came another response. This happened 26 times until just a few weeks before the author's passing, 26 times, the things you don't have to do. Little Joan was just one of hundreds to whom Lewis wrote in the same way. You are the salt of the earth. Whatever you do and however you do it, makes a difference. When I was a little boy, the youngest of four sons, soon after my brother's diagnosis with severe mental handicaps, my mother, to handle all the challenges, employed a woman to come be her mother's helper. Betty was a mother herself with nine children of her own. But to make ends meet, she came into our home two days a week. She became in many ways a part of our family and made the four of us boys her boys too. After years of this though, we moved away and as these things go, we lost touch with Betty. So imagine my surprise when I got a call some 40 years later from Betty's daughter saying that Betty was in her last few days but that she couldn't go without calling her McConnell boys. So Betty got on the phone and said, (laughs) Stevie, I just called to say I love you. And there hasn't been a day when I didn't pray for you. Talk about the things you don't do Deserve the things that don't have to be done. Carl Rowan, the prize winning columnist of a couple de- decades ago, spoke often of the influence in his life of a woman named Bessie Gwynne. Missy Gwynne was a school teacher that Rowan had growing up in McMinnville, Tennessee, a high school teacher at Jim Crow High School in McMinnville. And young Carl Rowan was her student. She taught him Shakespeare and Chaucer and Milton and the scriptures. She taught Carl about similes and metaphors and hyperbole. After graduating from high school and college, Carl went on to become an accomplished journalist nominated one year for the Pulitzer Prize. Well, when Bessie, his teacher turned 85, she was to be honored at a testimonial dinner by a group of her students and teachers. And Carl was invited to come back and say a few words. As fate would have it, he had been invited also on the same night to attend a White House dinner hosted by then Jimmy Carter. How often in a lifetime do you get invited to attend a White House dinner? Rowan sat down and wrote this letter in response to the president's invitation. Dear Mr. President, I received your letter three days after I had agreed to speak a few words at a dinner honoring the wonderful high school teacher who taught me to write. I know you will not miss me at your dinner, but she might at hers. Sincerely yours, Carl the things you don't have to do the little bit of salt that never gets forgotten I know I may sound like a broken record when I say that you don't have to go far in this world to be reminded that the world can be a pretty ugly place bad things happen to good people and good things happen to bad people The rain, says Jesus, falls on the just and the unjust, and everybody's on their guard as to what's coming to them. There always seems to be a fight over what really do we have to do for each other? Who owes who what? And the result is a dog-eat-dog world that can leave a lot of us rolling our eyes, smirking, and saying, whatever. Then I walk into the campus center on a Tuesday afternoon and see tables and tables of adults side by side with kids who need a little help with their schoolwork. And I look at these volunteering adults and say, you know, you don't have to do this. I poke my head into the food pantry and see volunteers graciously packing and handing out bags of food to people down on their luck. And I say, "You." you don't have to do this. I stop over at Booker Elementary and see volunteers take classrooms of kids under their wings and I say, you know, you don't have to do this. I see ministry teams gathered for meetings. I see Sunday school teachers teaching. I see sweating people sprucing the grounds. I see strangers helping strangers to their cars. I see offering envelopes being put into plates from people who barely have enough to pay the rent. I see missionaries going to Central America. I see advisors taking a whole weekend to hang out with teenagers. I see, I see, I see. And I say, you don't have to do this. And of course, we don't. And of course, we do. For we are, Jesus says, the salt of the earth.